This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. TL Talk Radio Season 4, Episode 34. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 34 of TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Funy-Hatton and Randy Ziegenfuss, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Ziegenfuss. And I'm Lynn Funy-Hatton. Hello, Randy. Hello, Lynn. So today we have two learners with us. Uh, we're speaking with Anya Smith and Abigail Emerson, um, the stars of the Pioneer Education Reimagined video that we have <laughs> shared and learned a little bit about you all and your work. And we previously spoke with Anya on our Shift Your Paradigm podcast, um, episode two, one of our inaugural episodes where we learned about learner-centered education. So um, we're bringing Anya back for a deeper dive on some of the activities that we learned about uh, through our connection with that podcast. Anya is a recent graduate from the inaugural cohort of the Innovation Diploma and is now a freshman at the Georgia Institute for Technology, studying to become a social entrepreneur in education. Since high school, she's been striving to forward the education transformation movement by networking and being a pioneer of innovative, learner-centered education practices. Anya dreams of a future where school consists of students working side-by-side with business leaders to design for pressing issues in the world. Abigail is also joining us, and she is a creator looking for new ways to solve problems. She's an Innovation Diploma inaugural member and a graduate of the class of 2018. In the past, she's worked with clients such as S.J. Collins Enterprises Developing Company, AT&T Foundry, and Buckhead Christian Ministries. Always keeping a positive outlook on situations, her favorite pastime is giving out high fives and telling puns and jokes. (laughs) Abigail strives to inspire and empower other students to believe they can make a change now and don't have to wait until they're older or wiser to start. So welcome to the podcast, Anya and Abigail. Thanks for having us. Well, it's great to have Anya back. Even if it's a different podcast, we get to chat with her again. And it's so good to have Abigail here as well. And we're looking forward to uh, learning about your experiences in the Innovations Diploma Program. Uh, Anya as a graduate and Abigail as a um, soon-to-be graduate. And then also, uh, we were going to talk a little bit about uh, the publication Trailblazers that you've been working on uh, to amplify student voice. So to start our conversation off today, uh, let's learn a little bit more about what is this Innovations Diploma Program at Mount Vernon Presbyterian School, and how does it embody the characteristics and qualities of what we call learner-centered education? So the Innovation Diploma, the big slogan is, we're not a class, we're a startup. 
the whole idea is about putting students in the front and that's what they do in the design firm so to say where we partner with different organizations and partners from around the community to help use design thinking as a tool to solve problems that various people are having with a human-centered approach. And I think that's really connected to learner-centered movement because it's all about putting learners front and center and showing that they can do, as Abigail said, big things today. You don't have to wait until you're older or wiser. It's about gaining those skills, learning from failure, and making a difference and impact in the community. And I'd have to say, uh, touching on some of the experiences we've had, they've really given us the chance to learn new skills that we might not have otherwise had. Like, for example, um, just a quick story. In the past, uh, we've had a commercial real estate and retail development firm come to us, uh, SJ Collin Enterprises, uh, previously mentioned, and they wanted us to design for them a pocket park or a small general public outdoor area uh, that would go in their Whole Foods market shopping area. So in order to do that, uh, we end up having to utilize tools such as uh, SketchUp or, and uh, we'd have to actually design. And not only that, but we also had to use design thinking tools in order to empathize with the users. So an authentic experience, a real world problem, um, working with a business and working to improve the human experience at Whole Foods. Yes. So tell us about some of the other powerful experiences you've had in the Innovation Diploma Program and how have they um, better prepared you for what you've gone on to next, Anya, or what you hope to go on to, Abigail? So I, what I find really cool about the Innovation Diploma, it's actually a lot of the little things that projects have taught me along the way. In terms of now being in college, I've realized what I've come to value most are experiences experiences like knowing how to write a professional email. I was often the person on the team that was communicating with our external clients. And to be able to know how to write that email, then I come to college and email my professors and they're like, wow, you were a first semester freshman and you actually knew how to write an email? This is crazy. Or things like being able to take initiative and action steps towards goals. When I came into college, I didn't know what major I was going to be, but I had the experience and initiative to be able to go out and reach out to professors and advisors and organize times to meet and interview with them. And that was a very comfortable situation for me, which is not the same for a lot of my peers. Also, the idea of not being belittled by age, we talk about that a lot because this idea that it doesn't matter how old you are, you can work on big things like for advocacy working with the pocket park to design that project we worked with the center for disease control in our past we've hosted conferences and led workshops and that's really been it's been those experiences all together it's not one little thing at a time and that's what's really been impactful for me definitely i definitely agree because uh for me uh all of these experiences so uh a lot of graphic design experiences have really helped me like build my portfolio because for example, um, just recently I went to go interview at NC State, which is one of the colleges I applied to and I got into, so yay. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. <laughs> we'll celebrate um, your I success with you. <laughs> <laughs> yay. And so I ended up going there to interview though, uh, to try and get into their design school. And what I would have to take is a few of my art pieces and anything that they would consider a quote unquote creative kind of product. So I ended up taking one of the graphic design pieces from Innovation Diploma that I had created. And interestingly enough, along with, uh, I also took one of the Trailblazers magazines. 
the first issue. And interestingly enough, they ended up finding those pieces more interesting than the actual art pieces that I had painted. So that real world application is what um, engaged them in your in your process. Definitely. Hmm. So I'm curious, um, if you were to speak with uh, some of your peers who might be in a more traditional learning environment, and if they had the opportunity to uh, learn in uh, a more an environment like you described, which has more real-world projects, uh, more authentic learning, but they were a little hesitant about making that choice, there was a little bit of fear involved, um, something new, something different, something they hadn't really grown up through the, the, the grade levels with, how would you convince them to take advantage of that opportunity? So I think convincing is a big part of our role as learners in this movement. One of the phrases I like to talk about is that when adults try to talk about learner-centered, there's skeptics who are always asking, well, where's the evidence? Where's the proof that this works? But when the young learners are talking about our experiences, that is the evidence that it's working. When I tell people about how my most of my college essays were all based on innovation diploma, I have a full ride scholarship to Georgia Tech because of the work I was doing in innovation diploma that helped me develop my passions and show that I am willing to put in that work to go beyond just the traditional, let's try to get a letter grade in the class. And I think students really are, they want to be involved in this kind of work. I think the hesitancy is more often because, oh, well, what are colleges going to think about this? What are my parents going to think about this? Because this isn't the tradition. We can't just put this into an easy little grade on the transcript that is recognizable by the mass majority of people. And I think that's really, when I talk to different students, that's where they get the most nervous is how are we going to translate this back into the rest of the educational world. It's not the real world that struggles to understand this kind of work. It's the education system that struggles to understand it. So I'm curious, as you were going from that transition going through the transition from high school to college, um, what did you, were there any barriers that you had to overcome uh, in that process from going from a somewhat non-traditional high school program to the, the college level? Were there things that they expected that maybe you didn't have, or were there experiences that you had that were really more valued um, at, the, at the college level? In terms of the application process, there was no barriers. Even the way our transcript looks is actually a little bit different from the traditional transcript. But the whole time we were prototyping what that transcript looked like, we were working alongside of college admissions reps. So we knew that we were getting their feedback in that process. Mm -hmm. So in addition to the grades from our more traditional classes, we have a whole section of our transcript dedicated to, well, here's a little blurb about what the innovation diploma is. Here's some badges that we got to pick out. And specifically, we wrote each person, I might have the same badge as Abigail, but we would write out our own description for how we earned it and what it meant to us. And there was even an extra little leadership section to highlight some of the work we had done as leaders within high school. And that worked completely fine. In addition to essays where I could talk about the people I've worked with in the past and the skills that I've gained, now that I'm in college, I've not at all felt, I in no ways have I felt hurt by the idea that I've taken a less traditional route. 
In fact, I'd say it's empowered some of those skills I was talking about earlier. I've noticed, especially in college, the things that I've learned, not even just by being in the innovation diploma, but being at Mount Vernon as a whole, a school that thinks about school differently and is in the process of transforming how they run their system. It's, I talk to people here at college and they're like, what? That was your high school? Like, that sounds crazy. Like, I wish I went to a school like that. So <laughs> I definitely think it's helped and I haven't felt hindered. So just to follow up to that, Anya, and then maybe Abigail, you can share some ideas. Have you had any tests or like exams or fine or I guess final exams you could have had it in January or even midterms? Um, and has that experience been different or similar to what you experienced? So I guess it's important to note that at Mount Vernon, though we're in the innovation diploma, it's still very much a school in the transition process. So I still was taking more traditional courses. I was in a couple APs in high school. And definitely because of that, there was nothing that has been new or shocking or overly scary in college in terms of test taking in particular. Also, the sad truth of it is, is that everyone still has to take the SAT or ACT for most schools you're applying to. A few schools now are test optional or I know of very few that are completely, they're like, we don't take tests. But even from speaking with learners from other schools that are learner-centered, I've not heard of anyone that's now gotten to college and felt like that test-taking process mm-hmm. has been something you can't, you can't pick up and learn how to do. So you felt, so your college does have the midterms or finals okay. and you felt prepared to do that because you had those experiences in other classes or seminars embedded in your high school experience yes I did if anything honestly it's made me more more aware of things that I would also like to see change within higher ed Mm. and moments where I feel like higher ed is almost holding students back more than Mm -hmm. certain k-12 schools are yeah thank you Abigail would you like to add anything to that definitely in the um high school level of education I think as of right now like grades are really viewed as the utmost of importance and so what I think really needs to happen is I've been talking with a lot of my friends to try and get their minds set to change however the problem is like everyone has uh, been so dead set in their ways for so long that it's just become really hard to so I think we really need to be talking like students need to take up their voice and talk to uh, teachers uh, faculty and uh, just higher-ups and get them to listen to us about the, the things that we have opinions on. So one of uh, education's fears about transforming into a learner-centered environment is that we're going to sell our kids short when they need to go to college. So I, I'm hearing based on your stories, like that's really a fear we shouldn't be too worried about. Well, also further than not only should it not be a fear, I think it should be a call to action of why are we okay about doing this in higher ed if we're not okay with doing this in K-12. I think about the core the core curriculum involved in higher ed. And for example, you have to take a US history course or some sort of constitutional course here at Georgia Tech. And this drives me as funny because I didn't take AP US history, so I don't have credit, so I need to take this course. But when I look at the syllabus, it's the same kind of history class that I've been taking since third or fourth grade of school. and what that tells me as a learner is, okay, so these higher ed institutions don't trust 
that we're fully learning in K-12, the material you expect us to know when we get to college. And that disconnect, I feel like, says it in itself that it's not just K-12 that needs to change. That's not the only education system. Education system is a whole unit. It's not K-12 and then, oh, higher ed is this own little thing. They need to be working together to change the system. So you mentioned badging um, as part of your experience, and we saw that on the website that there's a focus on badging. Tell us a little bit more about that and why it's an important component of being a learner in, in the program. So uh, in innovation diploma, it's really a common belief that we shouldn't let grades define what makes up a student or who that student is. Like just because you get a certain grade for an assignment doesn't necessarily mean like, or doesn't show exactly what you gain from it. Rather, it just shows kind of one person's like judge on how well you got something. So that's why we decided to go with badging. Badging is a way to demonstrate like you have to apply for a badge. So you have to show like the evidence of I can do this skill. And then, um, and then there are multiple people who review it in order to give you the badge. Mm -hmm. And then you have to explain what the badge is and how you earned it or how, what does that process look like? Online, we use a website called Credly, if you're familiar with it. I'm not, and I would love, I would love to hear more about it. Credly is an online badging website where you can get badges not only from, like, say, your administrators or your teachers or your facilitators. You can get badges from other people, too, for accomplishing certain skills. But you do, um, they'll give you the badge. There's a badge picture, then there's a description, and then there's what you need to do for the badge. And then you have to demonstrate that you've actually learned the skill to get the badge. So you submit some kind of evidence, whether that's like a photo or a summary, an essay, if you may, and or some other kind of evidence. And then people review it and then you can get the badge. So how is how is badging affected your um, sort of your viewpoint on gaining those competencies did it what did you find it to be motivating did you find it did you want to design your own badges did they fit your interests or or skills that you wanted to develop like what was your experience with it what did it feel like as a learner as a learner personally i love badgering because that means i'm not just being judged like oh well how how well can i write an essay no it's how well can i do certain skills have i learned these skills at all because you can write an essay, you can make a project, but you might not, you can kind of make up your way through the project without have, ever having learned anything at all. And unfortunately, a lot of students in our time right now do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the badge is a more authentic representation of what you've learned and what you know and what you understand as opposed to a letter grade. Yes. Which you've identified as one person's judgment on how well you did. <laughs> interesting I think I think there's an interesting component to badging too in terms of the idea of common language so to Abigail's point it's not just a number it's getting to a specific skill set that you have and creating a communal language so for example I have a badge for digital leadership and I showed through my work of blogging primarily and my presence on Twitter and conversations around education that I believe that I have a competency in digital leadership. And to be able to describe that as a skill, that's not saying 
it's not trying to take like I'll, I'll keep with history i guess it's not saying oh i got an a in history it's actually getting more specific and more detailed to show how we're all different because you could have 25 people get an a but that doesn't mean they all got the a in the same way right. and i think badging gets more specific <clears throat> and helps it helps show that each learner is a unique and different person definitely and for innovation diploma badging in specific um there are different tiers of badges that you can get for example, there's uh, the journeyman badge as opposed to like a master badge. And you have to apply separately for each badge and each tier. Oh, interesting. So there are levels of um, achievement in the embedded in the badging. Hmm. Have to check that out. Credly. Let's go back to something that Anya said earlier. Uh, the, the, uh, the way the program's described, we're not a class, we're a startup. So we know startups all go through iterations, that fail forward um, kind of motto. So in your time in Innovations Diploma, what were some of those iterations that you've seen um, during your time there? So Abigail and I, as you mentioned in our bios, we're both inaugural members of the Innovation Diploma, which means we got to experience that very first year what we also like to call the dark ages of ID. <laughs> we call it this because like any good startup, we had a prototype, this idea of learners and it's all about their passions and following what they want to do and impacting the community. It was all great ideology, but we're still working on the best way to actually run the program. And I believe in my opinion, that kind of, dark age vibe is because we are trying too hard to focus on student passion and not enough about the ideas of compassion. And that's something we've talked about a lot now as we've moved forward in ID. So that first year was a lot about trying to have each student figure out we had a passion board where people would put up, these are things I'm interested in. And people were trying to make projects where they took their passions and tried to get it into the real world. And we realized that wasn't working too great. And then one day we went to the CDC, as I was mentioning earlier, the Center for Disease Control. And we started working with their projects. We were helping them learn about design thinking as a way to get through what they were kind of stuck on a couple of problems they were working on. So we were showing how design thinking can help you open up the way you think and really make sure you're focusing on user needs. And during that moment, we realized a lot of things. One, we saw how adults can sometimes be uncomfortable working with students. You're not expecting them to have the capacities that they might have. And that's something we continue to struggle with. I had my sister literally a week ago telling me how she was interviewing someone and she felt like she was getting talked down to the whole time because the person wasn't realizing that she was really serious and committed to her work with the project. And when working with the CDC, another big thing we realized was that by having this community partner, by working for someone else, that was where we were really getting the most out of the program. And it's grown from there. So then the next step was what we called consultivations, where we would bring people in for about 90 minutes. And it was literally, it was like rapid fire, innovative consulting. They would come in with their problem. We would go through the design thinking process in 90 minutes and they would leave with a whole list of solutions to start thinking about and next steps and action items. And now it's transitioned into design briefs. So like Abigail was talking about earlier, where 
they worked with the SJ Collins Enterprise on the Whole Foods po Pocket Park. That was our first design brief. And that's kind of how we've seen the iterations of the innovation diploma in that startup-like way. It's really, it's an innovative design consulting firm. Yeah, so a really big takeaway there for those of us in a more traditional education system trying to transform and having that sort of entrepreneurial startup mindset of you've got this plan, you've got this vision, but expect that to change as you go through the process. You're going to get these iterations. And while they may feel like failures, um, you learn from that and then you create the next best thing. And And it sounds like over the course of time in the program, it's really developed um, to be a very effective program that clearly uh, is preparing learners for for a very complex world and to be successful in that world as well. And that's really one of my favorite things about the program. It's, it's constantly being iterated. I graduated only a year ago and I go back and I always see new things being worked on and new concepts for the program and ideas about how they're doing things. And it's really powerful to see that that's, that's the community that we have been working in. The idea that we don't get set back and deflated by failure. It's really real world, even within the program, not only what we're doing for the world. And that's really neat. One of the other challenges, uh, definitely what you said, Anya, is true. One of the other challenges we've had, though, is uh, pressure and like uh, judgment from like not only adults, but from peers of ours. Because I know from personal experience, I've had a lot of my friends being like, innovation diploma and then they just scoff and they just continue to like make fun of somewhat of the work that is happening and the work that's like important to all of us but it's hard to get other people outside of innovation diploma to see how important that work is to us and how what we're doing really matters and i think that goes back to when we talk about this idea of students perspectives and how a lot of times it's focused on the idea of grades and college and what my parents did. And that's a constant struggle that I think a lot of startups have is trying to brand yourself and show that what you're doing is worth value. So tell us a little bit about sort of the structure of the ID program. How many students are in it at a time? Um, how much time do you have, in, have it as a day? Uh, Anya, you mentioned you also went to other classes. So Sort of give us, you know, 30 seconds on the structure of the overview of the program. So the innovation diploma is broken up into cohorts. So Abigail and I were part of the Disney cohort, which is the inaugural year. That cohort was a little different because it was more of anyone who wanted to apply. Like we got all sorts of grades. So we had freshmen through junior in the first cohort. But now it's mostly geared towards freshmen and sophomores are the ones who are applying. The idea being that you stay in the program for four years, three years if you come in as a sophomore. It's an application process and that goes through, it's a very design your own challenge and then goes into some interviews, both group and individual. And a lot of the innovation diploma current members also get a role in hearing about who's applying. Then once you're in the program, that first year is what we call yeoman's training. And the idea is that it's really about learning the skills and the mindset of what does it mean to be an innovator? What does innovation mean? Um, and looking at how can we develop our maker skills and our leadership skills and working in a team, that kind of general foundation and some early, more internal design challenges. Then as you get to be between sophomore and senior years, when you start working more on these big design briefs, like we talked about, where you're partnered with some sort of 
company or organization, nonprofit, partner, whoever it might be, and you're consulting with them. And that can last anywhere from a couple of weeks to a full year to maybe over a year. It really depends on the project. And we have about seven hours per week, I think I calculated at some point, between project-based time that's already worked into everyone in high school at Mount Vernon has project-based learning time worked into the schedule. If you're in the innovation diploma, you get that time in addition to one period of your normal school schedule. So for us, that used to be seventh period. And then any extra time you might schedule, such as enrichment or lunch, to have meetings. Okay, thanks. That helps us better understand sort of the structure and what it looks like as its own little school within a school, so to speak. Yes. Sorry, it wasn't quite 30 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Close enough. Well, thank you for for taking the time to share that with us. We had originally talked um, at the beginning of the session, uh, the podcast, that we were going to talk about Innovation Diploma and Trailblazers, but we'd like to invite you back to talk about Trailblazers in a follow-up podcast so that we could spend some more time with that. Absolutely. Very good. Yeah, that'd be great. Yes, and we can give the Trailblazers uh, an episode of its own, which it certainly is worthy of. Well, this has been a very fun conversation. Thank you, ladies. Uh, always good to hear um, from the learners, learners who are in high school and in college as well. Um, so we've got lots that we can learn from you and, of course, your peers. So thanks so much for being here today and sharing your story with us. Definitely. Thank you for inviting us. Yes, so- thanks. I know I can't physically high five you right now, but I say we do a virtual high five right now. Virtual high five. We virtual love it. Virtual high it's- five. And we're not going to edit this out either. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us, Anya and Abigail. It's been um, a great learning opportunity for Randy and I. Um, in the show notes, we'll link to the Innovation Diploma website and um, that Education Reimagined video that uh, Anya and Abigail um participated in as well as any other resources abigail's blog and perhaps we can link anya's yours as well each episode we leave you with a question to think about with the idea provoking reflection and conversation this episode's question how has the innovation diploma program at mount vernon inspired you to think differently about how we educate our learners if you've enjoyed this episode, would like to comment or check out the resources shared today, visit the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for Season 4, Episode 34. That's all for this episode. We'll be back soon with some more conversation with other innovative thought leaders and learners. Thanks again, Anya and Abigail. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.